welcome to Happy Healthy Whole, a show dedicated to helping black women approach healing and life by selecting a holistic approach to their self-care and wellness. I am your host and creator of Self-Care for Black Girls Collective, Sharia Farmer. Thank you for allowing me to be part of your journey as we talk healing, coping, self-love, and so much more. Welcome, everyone. Today, we are walking with Sharia. We're doing it a little bit different. As you can hear, I'm not walking. <laughs> it's a little bit different just because of time zone and just making sure that we both don't have to get up way at the crack of dawn. I am so honored to have Amy De, 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 De Jesus. De Jesus, I apologize, um, with us today. And uh, for multiple reasons, I was excited to hear about being a traveling social worker, but now knowing that you're transitioning to private practice or fully practicing um, and being able to do it from anywhere in the world is just exciting in itself. But we're gonna talk today a little bit about the myth around black women and not having or suffering from eating disorders. And then we're gonna talk a little bit about self-compassion. So if you can just go ahead, um, Amy, and tell us a little bit about yourself. So my name is Amy. I was a traveling social worker, as we just said, and I worked on private practice part-time. Now I have a full-time private practice and um, I sold everything and I'm traveling around the world while I practice. Um, I do specialize in eating disorders. Um, binge eating disorder is my main like my main focus, but I do have a lot of clients who um, have anorexia, who restrict, and I work with um, the Renfro Center and certain and other places that are inpatient for outpatient care once people are, uh, are discharged out of the program or if they're just in partial program, then I see them. And um, yeah, I just wanted to talk about the myth that uh, Black women do not suffer from eating disorders. Usually, we think of eating disorders, we think of upper class Caucasian women. We don't think about um, the black woman when we think about anorexia, maybe binge eating or being overweight because I do see people who are, um, they're qualifying for bariatric um, surgery. So both all, all in, the, in the whole spectrum, I see black women, but I do specialize in seeing black women for any of these disorders. The most that I do see is emotional eating with black women. And I think it's basically because of trauma and our food preferences, you know, like the things that we like, that's some of it, but a lot is from trauma that we're not allowed to speak about. So it's held inside, not having compassion for ourselves because the world doesn't have compassion for us. So it shows up in different ways, um, sexual abuse, all of those things that we usually don't talk about in our families that we're told, you know, like it's our family's business to keep it to ourselves. We have those things <laughs> that I that I that I see people, you know, for that they they're not able to talk about it. And with anorexia, that's very taboo for a black woman to even talk about anorexia. So can you tell us like what would be some signs or some ways that I could identify if it's something that I'm struggling with, with disordered eating? Like what, how would I know that I'm struggling with possibly binging and or um, restricting? So with the binging, usually it's 
I see a lot of people that are like, I don't eat anything all day, like all day I'm busy, I don't eat anything. But then at nighttime when everybody goes to sleep or if they're home alone, especially people who live alone in the pandemic, I see an increase in this. They go to overeats and they'll get like a pizza. It's not just overeating, it's eating until you feel nauseous usually. So it's not just like I'm eating too much at this one meal, it's that I'm literally binging in that meal, the meal that I'm doing and then I'm not stopping when my body is comfortable or full, right? Yeah. Like, so yeah. what if I just do it once in a while? Like what, like what indicates that it's an actual issue? Like it, it, once in a while, usually I tell people we have to like try to recognize and be mindful ourselves to see if it's emotional eating versus binge eating disorder. So how, what is emotional eating then? I guess if, if we should, if we're doing that, right? <laughs> so emotional eating is I'm eating because I'm sad. I'm eating because I'm anxious. A lot of times when we have anxiety or things are happening, we'll eat more and you like mindless eating. Like, like if you're at the movie theater, I tell people and you're eating popcorn and then you look down and that whole thing is gone and you have to get a refill. That's, yeah. your, that's mindless eating. That, Absolutely that's, guilty. <laughs> that's the opposite of mindful eating. So when you're emotional eating, you're doing it because, okay, say I'm lonely and I'm home, I'm not hungry. And I just eat like a thing of Ben and Jerry's ice cream, the whole thing mindlessly just sitting there because I'm lonely. Or, you know, when you get those stories where you break up and you and your friends sit there and just eat, that's like an emotional eating versus binge eating. Whereas no. you really can't stop binge eating. Like just, okay, emotional eating, you can, it's a little easier. Like, okay, I feel this emotion. I know that I shouldn't be doing this. Binge eating is a true disorder where it's like, you need, you have to get help. Get it done or you have to do it. Okay. Yeah. So that is a very good distinction where it's not just about wanting to do it, it's having to do it yes. and feeling like it's not connected specifically to an emotion, but more of, like you said, that history, that trauma that you might have experienced or unresolved trauma that shows up under controlling it through food or binging, right? Yes. And so that is a really good distinction between emotional eating, which is about sometimes even joy, right? Because celebratory can be yes. a feeling of excitement and happiness. And it's like, I want to eat because I'm happy. But yeah. it also for black women, it will look like I'm eating my feelings away, right? I don't want to deal with the sadness. I don't want to deal with the loneliness. I don't want to deal with the lack of connections that I'm not able to develop or can maintain. So instead I'll, I'll eat, right? What do you find is more prevalent with black women is it the emotional eating or the binge eating i find that it's a lot more emotional eating and not oh, knowing and not know, knowing how to, how to express your emotion because you're told not to cry you know there's you know i have some clients that are like you know you know i used to get beat and then i wasn't allowed to cry so how do i even express emotion because you know you hit me and then say you better not cry how about that for a learned behavior that continues into adulthood right without even thinking that it's something that simple it really does connect later on to not being able to later control your emotional eating 
yeah, right? Exactly. Or not really realize that if you don't learn to release emotions, then you are going to go to the outlets of survival. And in this case, it's food. So what are some of the tips that you would give for someone who is, say, emotional eating? Um, the first- Besides therapy. <laughs> <laughs> go to therapy. I also say see a nutritionist because sometimes, like you said, learned behaviors, we don't even know what's nutritious. You know, like, oh, well, I thought that this was good. I've been eating this the whole time or this juice with sugar. And I'm not like the sugar police because I do believe in health at every size. I think that absolutely. If you're fine with your weight, that's fine. But health wise, you know, I have a lot of people who are diabetic, high blood pressure and all that good stuff. So those things I'm like, go see a nutritionist and get that taken care of. Even when I work with the bariatric people, they already have like a whole team. So it's, it's a little easier because they're kind of, they have some knowledge of it. Um, the second thing is getting in touch with your emotions, being mindful, maybe doing some meditation, um, clearing your mind, knowing how to do some grounding when you feel anxious or having a support system to call when you feel lonely. Uh, that's a lot, you know, we have a lot of people who are single parents who don't have that support system for people to call. So it's, yeah. So would you also recommend some uh, changing in behavior related to food or how is that part of just the mindfulness eating? Yeah, that, that changes it. And just um, intuitively eating, knowing your body and knowing how full you are. Um, I go through like a whole thing on a mindful eating. It's like six steps. It's so tedious, but we do it um, every day for one meal, tasting the food, putting your fork down, not scrolling on the internet while you're eating or watching TV, um, knowing to get three quarters full or like we had, there's a scale from one to 10. So usually stand around six or seven six is good. Um, eight is when you're like restaurant full. <laughs> like I paid for it. I'm gonna eat it. <laughs> yeah. Right. So now you just going overboard for no reason. Like <laughs> yeah. nine is usually we say eight is restaurant full. Nine is, um, Thanksgiving day. You know, when you're like lethargic and you're yeah. like, everything's just working to try to process it. 10 is binge eating. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, so it is a scale that you will teach or learn when, which is also why in some ways, when we think about, you know, just the emotional eating, but also disordered eating or eating disorders, you really do want to try to talk to professionals so that they can help you find what works specifically for you and your journey. Um, do you find that it is more people coming in for that help? Or do you find that you have to do more outreach and awareness and education to even get people to like believe they have an issue? Well, for me, I don't, I don't advertise it at all. I actually have a waiting list. So um, yeah, because right now there's, I think on certain websites, like because I work with clinics, my name is probably up there. Instagram, people come to me. So for eating disorders, yeah, I don't have to outreach. I think people really this year really need help more than, than ever. I have people come to me, they're like 80 pounds after the pandemic. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, on the understood. Other side, like, because yeah. how we all coped is very different 
And for people to come now to get the help is to kind of reflect back on the year and not realizing that it was 80 pounds until it's 80 pounds, right? Exactly. Yeah, and having some control. I, you know, food is control for many, many of us. Yeah. yeah. And okay. now the door's opening up so they, your family gets to see how you look a little in person now. That's all I got on that one because I've seen people who I haven't seen the whole year and I'm like, oh, wow. I didn't realize it because we were seeing each other virtually and it doesn't appear that there was such a gain. But when you see them now and it's like, wow, there was a lot of people who put on more than just the 15 pounds. There were some people who put on even 50 and more. So, wow. and, that could, and that creates anxiety, right? Because then it's like, now I have to go back out in this world with this weight that's packed on. And now I got to try to figure out how to get it all, which then also triggers the emotion that leads me back to emotional eating. So it's like this cycle yes. that can feel endless. So what are some of the things that, I, I'm, I know we you talked a little bit about like self-compassion at the beginning. What are some of the ways that you can show self-compassion when it comes to say your body image, your, because I do think social media plays into it. I think, you know, like, I think it's a lot of factors. Um, I work with adolescents and young people um, or young adults, let me stop calling them adolescents, young adults who are, you know, transitioning into college or going, uh, doing, uni um, doing work to stay in college. And this year, their body image has been wrecked. Um, I don't know what the major difference is, but I think some of it is about not being out with each other as much, but then having this image on social media that everything is great and grand. So what are some tips, I guess, around like your body image and getting started in this process? Like for So as far as social media, I always, you know, talk with my clients about the impact and some people it impacts them more than others. So if it really Absolutely. impacts them, we try to change it around a little like, okay, so follow people who are at health at every size and then take out some people who trigger you. Mm -hmm. And knowing that, right? Because I think, uh, so one of the things I worked recently had a program yesterday that we closed out on self-care, self-compassion and self-love. And so we talk about the three elements and we closed out yesterday around, well, we closed out, after a few weeks, but we close out specifically around how do you know your triggers, right? And learning that if you continue to participate in the trigger, then it most likely is only going to heighten your anger in this case that we were talking about, or it's only going to heighten your response to yourself negatively. Visit selfcareforblackgirls.com. Self-Care for Black Girls is a collective created and curated to help Black women design a plan to support their healing and wellness journey. Again, visit selfcareforblackgirls.com, a holistic approach to self-care and wellness. So how do you recognize that someone and how they approach their body image is triggering? So we talk about like what... The first thing we do is we get into mindfulness and knowing who we are and what how we feel. So if it doesn't feel good, like if we do something and afterwards it doesn't feel good. So if we're looking at this and it doesn't feel good, we know it's not good. So when we look at, say, I'm trying not to call any names, but 
we look at someone who's saying they're in fitness and their approach to fitness is about like degrading and making you feel like you've got to get your body together or you're a hot mess. That doesn't fit. I mean, it might feel like, oh, well, they're trying to motivate me. But really, when you walk away, you feel bad about it or you feel bad about your body because it's not like theirs or it's, you're not as you're not working out as hard as them or whatever the case is, whatever. Yes. And you walk away feeling like crap. Yeah. Then that's an example of like what you're saying, where it's like, yeah, they're doing what considered to be the right thing, but it's not the right thing for you exactly and your approach right so then that trigger now you aren't working out now you're feeling sad now you go emotionally yeah when in reality we could have just unfollowed exactly <laughs> so we talk about how easy that is and somebody was like oh my gosh it's so easy yeah just unfollow for now and then take down your screen time a little bit to maybe like change it at first I'm like evaluate it and there's somebody I think they had 12 hours a week so they wanted to maybe cut it down in half so it was to six you know not to shock them because I'm like it's it's your journey so you have to figure it out mm-hmm. you, you know you, and have you don't to- even realize you're doing 12 hours because I'm like man that seems like a lot but I'm like I guess you know you don't know what you're doing but yeah, so evaluate screen time um also do like some gratitude for yourself. Mirror work is really good, is talking to yourself with compassion in the mirror every day for five minutes. So we do mirror work, um, gratitude for what, what's going on now, because if you don't love yourself where you're at, how are you going to take care of it to get where you want to be? You know, if you hate something, what are you going to do? You're going to treat it bad. like sometimes it's so simple but so hard to do right but I think what I also hear you saying is that you create a routine where you're curating an environment of health an environment of love and support for yourself compassion for yourself and a journey and process right because even if all right if it's 80 pounds five pounds 10 pounds it's still a process to decide what that means to you because like you said I also believe in body like I don't think that weight equates to health. And so for me, it's not about a number. It's about a feeling as well as health within inside my body. And so I can say that, but someone else can look at me and say, well, that person's too large. They're not big enough, right? Mm-hmm. I need to then curate my environment where that person doesn't have a voice. They don't have a say in how I get to love myself. And so that's not, not easy. But it also is something that it sounds like if you are intentional, it can be done. Exactly. I love the gratitude. Can you give us some examples of like self-compassion, gratitude, like examples of it? Because I am a gratitude queen in my own way. (laughs) I do it every day in the morning and in the evening. And I do it specific to relationships when I'm trying to like uh, boost my joy in them. Like, so can you tell me like some examples for like self-compassion and body image, uh, gratitude yeah so and what you were saying before that even without the weight because I have people who are average size with a distorted body image that if they have one role it's just a lot but um yeah so we instead of focusing on that one role like (laughs) that's the segue we we give gratitude for things we like like I have you know some people who they don't like anything but they like their smile I love my smile I love my teeth you know I love that I'm able to walk and breathe 
air when there's some people who, especially right now, can't even breathe. You know, we, we think about those things I can see. I am able to hug my parents with these arms, you know, because I have a lot of people don't like the little, <laughs> but yeah. we're able to hug with them. Think of all the good things that you can do with those things. Um, Almost like turning, it's like reframing or thinking about what else those things that might bother you are good for and are purposed for too, in some ways, right? You like hugging your family. You don't think about that as like, oh, I mean, I think we do now more than ever after the pandemic because some of us didn't have the opportunity to be with our families. And I was one, so I know how it felt to be like away from my family family. Um, and so you take for granted, but that simplistic thinking of gratitude each day increases the likelihood for the things that you don't like to kind of be smaller exactly. on the scale. So I love those examples, the um, what other functions do those things we not like have? Yes. And, so yeah, yeah, feeding all the goodness, like we're, we're given that life. And then the other things we don't even talk about and they just, sometimes they just die off. Like once you just every day think about like I am, and I tell everybody that we are where we're supposed to be because we're so anxious now. We always want to get to the next step before we accept where we are just accepting how we feel. And it's okay not to feel good all the time. We have to accept that and let it pass through us. That's, uh, you know, again, not easily said, hard to do, but it's something that when done, because all I hear is mindful, right? Like that's mindfulness, that's being present. Yeah. It's being able to be accepting of the moment and how it connects to so much more, but it's also still just this moment. Exactly. And that is okay. <laughs> it is. This so moment is okay. You don't have to know about what you are going to do five years from now five days from now or five minutes from now you are here and you're present and yeah. for some of us that is enough you know like that is enough it's all so, we have. exactly right all we have is this moment even though I know we spend a lot of time looking in the back and looking forward yeah. we really only have where we are exactly. so you are right where you are so I know that you wanted to talk a little bit about self-compassion I'm going to give you the floor and stop talking and you tell me what you'd like to talk around self-compassion. I just, I, I think that's so important. Like we talk about self-care all the time. It's everywhere. <laughs> Everybody has a little, you know, post on self-care, which is good and bubble baths and all that good stuff. But having self-compassion because we talk to, the way we talk to ourselves, that's so important. And I focus on that. You know, and, and I tell people who don't even have children, you know, who like one day aspire to have, you know, because I talk like a lot of my people are in their 20s and 30s. And I'm like, if you did have a daughter, would you talk to her the same way you talk to yourself? You know, because we start writing some things down, of like, what do you really think of yourself? And, you know, let's I'm fat, I'm this, and I was told this. And, you know, I have some people, um, with, with Black women, I'm going to go back to just Black women, like, oh, well, your nose was too big, your hair was too this, you know, and that was fed to them from when they were young, you know, your butt was too flat, because, you know, <laughs> yeah, no, it, you're supposed to have a certain everything. Everybody's supposed to have the, the exact same Black body. <laughs> so all those things that, you know, that are in there, they don't go away, but we have to just acknowledge them like, oh, they are in there. 
So let me start having some compassion where people didn't have compassion on me and taught me that I'm not supposed to have compassion on myself. I'm supposed to be a giver, give away all this stuff and be nice to everyone else. But what about myself? Where do I belong in that list of giving? Where do I fit in? If I'm giving to everyone, what, what, what am I requiring of myself, right? Because then I'm only out giving out and I'm never receiving. And that yeah. does start with us, right? So I always say, so I always say that to me, self-compassion and self-love are self-care, right? Yes. So when we think about what people, the cliches of self-care is about the physical activities that we do, but the real root of self-love and self-care is about self-compassion and identifying the good in you as you take care of yourself. And that includes things like talking to you, right? Like when you said earlier, the mirror work, that's an example of being compassionate, but also being affirming to the point where it develops who you're going to be, right? Yeah. So that present work will help that later that you're so worried about, right? And so I think it's harder. You're right, because there's a lot of, I mean, obviously this is self-care for Black girls, right? It's a lot of people who think that that equates to the things that I do, mm -hmm. like the physical or the tangible things, but it's the intangible things that our mind and our body does that keeps our self-care in place, right? We can go and get our nails and toes done every single day, but if I don't like who I am and don't love who I am, then all of those things are for other people. Those aren't even really self-care, it's about self-presentation. Exactly. Right? And, and that's cool up until you aren't winning from that. So your mind, so you said a few things that I love and I just wanna pull them out so we can hear them clearly, which is, gratitude which yes. is a part of self-compassion too in my mind right <laughs> mindfulness being in the present regardless of what we're talking about eating caring for ourselves and our families being in the present and also healing um yeah. I know you didn't use that language but when I hear the self-compassion of mirror work and really talking to ourselves to me that's healing your inner child yes right it's really it's really coming down to saying that the harm they did to you, I will no longer participate in. Exactly. And that's a, that's, I mean, look, I'm about to shout over here for a second, but <laughs> that's a, that's a beautiful thing when you can get yes. to the point where you're like, I no longer hold the negativity of my own experience over me and mm -hmm. holding me hostage. And how I do that is real concrete things. Like you gave real examples of what people can do right? Like you can get your self-care and self-compassion to a place where you are impacting your healing journey. Exactly. And so I'm, I pulled those three out as the like three points that I think that you're, you're really voicing, right? Is mindfulness, gratitude, and self-compassion with a level of true mirror slash affirming work about who you are. Yes. That's, that, that to me is doable. <laughs> like, yes. right? Yeah, that's the five pound weight I tell everybody. Like you can't just pick up an 80 pound weight. You have to start oh, well, working. Right. <laughs> Please don't, because uh, <laughs> I've been on this health journey and I've been on it for a while over the few years, but I had major grief loss. Uh, my mother transitioned. Um, that's how the group actually was created. Um, and so when she transitioned, you know, it shut me down. I'm, I'm the youngest of all her kids. I'm the baby. And 
I take pride in my role. <laughs> so, so look, as you, everyone should. Uh, so it, it took out of me some of the health that I was used to having, which is like my mind being really clear, this, you know, those type of things. And one of the things that I think has been just such a blessing and a health for myself is that every single day I'm present in whatever I'm feeling and I'm not punishing myself for those feelings, good or bad, right? And yeah. part of that is not eating in response to the negative or the, the good feeling. But mm -hmm. part of that is also having the mindfulness walking as part of my thing, right? So we're doing walking with Sharia because it literally was a part of what helped me to start getting my emotions back into a place that isn't about responding. But then I can say the same thing about mindfulness coloring. Like I love coloring. All of those things are being present, but they're activities that are stopping me from harming my body more, right? And that's not always, and it wasn't easy at the beginning of the journey. So I don't pretend to be like, oh yeah, I woke up one day and was like, yay, everything's perfect. Exactly. No, it was in the moment, I am not doing what I want to do, but I am capable of doing it, even if I'm just thinking of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's being present. So I think for all of us, you've given us some really good tips. I know it was around eating. However, I think there are tips around any life journey when it comes to negative emotional responses. Like maybe I don't eat, maybe I drink, maybe I, you know, decide that wine every day is better than dealing with my emotion. Right those things that you just mentioned still can be tips that they can use. Yes. And you, that's a, a great point I'm not even going to get into, but people do substitute that. Um, even after weight loss surgery, we find a, just a higher percentage of people who turn to alcohol or drugs as an outlet. Because it really is a substance, because you haven't dealt with the emotional eating portion, right? So you've taken care of the weight but you didn't take care of the mind. And that mind is a, I, I tell everybody, your strongest body part is your, your brain. Exactly. And the reason it's so strong is because it really can dictate what else, everything else can do. Yeah, how we view the world because we can, we can distort it all over. Like someone can just look at you and you're like, I'm ugly and I'm fat. And they might've just looked over at you. you and you're amazing and beautiful. I get my first client when I was very young as a therapist, I was so, so young. I was like maybe 20, I guess when we get our degrees, like 23. And I say young professionally more than age, anything, if anything. And um, my client presented with like body distortion and image issues. And when I tell you this woman literally could be a model, I could not understand, like I was young and clinically didn't understand in my journey of learning because of that really became very specific on like, how do I recognize signs of self-image and self-esteem when it's not so obvious, right? Um, and I can remember thinking this woman could be a model. Like I'm looking at her and she's telling me that she's the worst example of, um, at the, she was Greek, the worst example of a Greek female body. Wow. And I was just like, damn, if you're the worst example. <laughs> Where's the best? <laughs> it, like, but it wasn't really about a best that was outside of her own thinking. Yeah. Because it had no, it had nothing to do with her body and everything to do with what her mind thought about her body. 
Exactly. And that's a scary place to stay. It is, and it's a it's a, a sad place to be every day. So before we go, I want you to close with giving us what you want us to end on around emotional eating as well. Um, excuse me, eating disorder. Emotion, we've talked about a lot of things, right? <laughs> um, emotional eating, eating disorder, as well as um, self-compassion. What, what do you want people to take away from today for you? And then also, I want you to make sure you give us your information about following you, contact, everything, every way that we can be in touch with you. Um, I don't, I know that this is audio, but I loved your pictures. I just want you to know that I found like your, um, the pictures you sent over for your bios and your, I was like, she is beautiful. So I just wanted to give you that compliment because I believe we should share with people what we see when we know it and we see it. And so you guys will see, and I normally only do one picture. So you might actually have all yours. (laughs) Like, I don't know which one. Uh, They were either all of them were uh, like I was like she is so beautiful but I wanted to tell you that and I think they were just very expressive of the energy you have and I wanted to acknowledge that as a great thing a good thing and I also wanted people to know what I saw so thank you so yeah I think the biggest thing with my practice is mindfulness like you were saying that's like my what everything is built on I teach everybody meditation, everybody who comes through. <laughs> that's the, like, we, we do mindfulness in everything, just being present, grounding, making sure that, you know, we're here when we get anxious, because I do work with a lot of people with anxiety too. So, um, yeah, I think mindfulness and just loving yourself and learning to love yourself and knowing that you are where you're supposed to be and getting to where you you think you should be shouldn't even be like part of the journey like I'm telling people what they should think (laughs) (laughs) but that's right be present be here and enjoy because you won't have today again yes like I mean I'm so glad that I believe mindfulness works too like so that's one of my things too so I'm like I don't have anything besides second that people <laughs> like you need to be very aware that being present is the gift it is and, and how you do that is going to save your life because right? it, yes. it is your mind and so yeah. so I appreciate you know making it clear um tell us how we can be in touch with you how we can follow you what uh I know I'll oh. add it to the write-up as well but I want you to tell them as well yeah, so on Instagram, I'm Amy, the online therapist. That's where you can follow me. I do have a Facebook, but I don't do much on that. <laughs> but Instagram, yeah, it's Amy, the online therapist. Um, and then the website is supportivecares with an S, LLC.com. Okay, and I will make sure to link it in the bio for the write-up here for this, as well as I'm going to tag you on Instagram because that's I'll do a clip of the audio there to send people to the actual audio. And then also on um, in, face, in the Facebook group. So I'll tag you on everything anyway, but I also want people to go ahead and follow you, support all of the different things that you're into. Um, I don't know if you offer mindfulness classes or things like that, but I definitely feel like it sounds like something that you are gifted in. And I'm always one of those people like, hey, you should try. <laughs> and you now that we're such a virtual world, 
it, we all are here for it. And so I appreciate you coming on my little old show. Uh, no, yeah. it wasn't walking today, um, even though if you saw me, I'm still in my walking gear. It just was like 105 degrees out in the East Coast. So we, I need to be in by a certain time. It's like 300 uh, degrees in Mexico right now. <laughs> I can only imagine. And so although I wanted to be out walking, I think it was best for us to be safe, for me to get the walk over with, and then us talk. And so I, I am grateful that you came and joined and was excited to do so. Um, is there anything else that you want to make sure you? Well, we are, I did a, um, a whole course on uh, mindfulness and we're going to do groups. I'm going to start that in January. I was going to start in September, but as you know, I'm traveling. So I need to get settled. And then I was like, so I can give my all and I can be present and not thinking about, I need to do this or that. So it's all finished and we're going to do the mindfulness, um, eating, I do. Oh, and I didn't even say this, but we're, we're almost done. <laughs> oh, no, you're good. Do, like, um, go for it. Yeah. So I was trained as a chef. So I do mindfulness cooking too. Ooh. So I'm going to do um, some cooking with the recipes and do some cooking and talking groups too. And while I'm here in Mexico, I'm thinking about doing a retreat with um, doing cooking, mindfulness, and just self-compassion for at the beach for like a- Oh, beautiful. Okay. So- I'm going to cut us on that one because I may be yeah. talking to her privately about how this can all help all of us or how we can be a part of this because that is so awesome to hear. And yeah. I mean, if you give me a reason to be in Mexico, I'll be there. But you know, yeah. <laughs> like, um, that sounds exciting. Um, and so what I will do is make sure to tag if you already have like a website or anything that's related to it coming up, we'll make sure to add it to the write-up. But I also would, you know, Love to hear more about it at a later time as well. Yeah, we'll talk. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you for joining us. I Thank hope that you, you enjoyed know. your walking experience. <laughs> Even though we weren't officially walking, we are walking in spirit and we are walking yeah. in mind. So I thank you for being a part of this show. You're an awesome human, just uh, giving us all this great energy. And you guys will see the pictures and know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, all right. You guys be well. All right. Thank you. <laughs>